Welcome to the study of God's Word with pastor and author Ed Taylor, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, here's Pastor Ed to take us into our study. Amen. Take your Bibles, open them to Daniel chapter 10. Daniel chapter 10. It's a Bible study that I've entitled, The Batter Battle Never Really Ends. Isn't that true? The battle never really ends. And we pick up by way of review in verse 1 of chapter 10 where it says, In the third year of the reign of King Cyrus of Persia, Daniel, also known as Belteshazzar, had another vision. And he understood that the vision concerned events certain to happen in the future. Times of war and great hardship. And when this vision came to me, I, Daniel, had been in mourning for three whole weeks. All that time I'd eaten no rich food, no meat or wine crossed my lips, and I used no fragrant lotions until those three weeks had passed. Now, Cyrus is the king of Persia, which puts Daniel's age about 85 or 90 years old. And it's been about 72 years since the captivity. And he's still in Babylon, when other people have already returned back to the land. And as Daniel chapter 10 opens, we find that he's obviously distressed. He's, verse 2 says he's emotionally mourning for three full weeks. He's physically hungry, which is because he's fasting. And he's chosen to fast. He's taken no pleasant food. And he also has no fragrant lotions or anointing oils. So so he has this outward stink about him because he's chosen not to take a shower, not to take a bath. And Daniel's fasting because his heart is broken. And remember we learned last time, and you can look at it in depth, but we learned last time that fasting is the purposeful neglect of some fleshly appetite in order to be strengthened and sharpened by the Lord. And fasting combined with prayer is powerful. Now, Jesus put fasting together with giving and with prayer. And he says, when you pray, when you give, when you fast, it's an expectation for us that if you haven't fasted in a while, why? And if you haven't fasted during this time of crisis, why? Now, I know some would say, well, wait a minute, Ed. Why haven't you called a fast for the church? Well, I didn't really feel like the Lord wanted us to call a corporate fast, but instead the Lord spoke to my heart that he would be calling people to fast in the church, that he would be doing it himself, and that it would be a test then of whether you would obey. But there's strength in fasting. And if you don't know what fasting is, I've done a Bible study on it. Go to our website or go to our app and just put in the word fasting. I think I titled it, What is Biblical Fasting? And I go through and we learn together what the Bible has to say about fasting. And there's a strength in it where I take time to discipline my body and direct myself spiritually. And we learned last time that there's that need for desperation in the church. So pick up in verse 4. It says, On April 23rd, as I was standing on the bank of the great Tigris River, I looked up and saw a man dressed in linen clothing with a belt of pure gold around his waist. His body looked like a precious gem. His face flashed like lightning and his eyes flamed like torches. His arms and feet shone like polished bronze and his voice roared like a vast multitude of people. Only I, Daniel, verse 7, saw the vision and the men with me saw nothing. 
but they were suddenly terrified and ran away to hide. So I was left there all alone to see this amazing vision. My strength left me. My face grew deathly pale and I felt very weak. Now remember, this is on top of his fasting. This is on top of him seeking the Lord. So it's just overwhelming him physically, overwhelming him spiritually. And I heard the man speak and when I heard the sound of his voice, I fainted and lay there with my face to the ground. So Daniel's seen a lot in his lifetime. Leaders come and go, visions, dreams, images. And here is the pinnacle of all that he saw. He, gets a, he, he receives a glimpse of glory. And remember, uh, last time we looked at this, I agree with just about every commentator that this is a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ. He's ministering to Daniel here. He, Daniel's in that place of desperation. Daniel's in that place of, of seeking God. And so there's this revelation of glory. And you can jot it down in Revelation chapter 1, verse 12. Uh, you can see the description is very similar in Revelation of who John saw compared to who Daniel saw. You know, let's just turn there. We have some time. Turn over to Revelation chapter 1. And I want to remind you, we've been teaching going through the book of Daniel in the NLT. So I hope it's been ministering to you. I hope it's been blessing me. I love, I love the New King James. And I've been reading from the New King James for, for 29 years now. But I've really enjoyed, not only because I use the NLT for my devos, uh, for my devo life in the morning, but I've really enjoyed the challenge that it posed me when I, when I made the commitment to teach through the NLT. And just looking at Daniel differently, comparing the different, because on my computer, I have a program where I can see all the different versions together and be able to compare them. But to teach it through has been a, been a, been a challenge, but it's also been a commitment. And I, and I think God wants us to keep our commitment. So notice verse 12. When I turned, this is John writing, when I turned to see who was speaking to me, I saw seven golden lampstands and standing in the middle of the lampstands was someone like the son of man. He was wearing a long robe with a gold sash across his chest. His head and his hair were white like wool and as white as snow. And his eyes were like flames of fire. <clears throat> his feet were like polished bronze refined in a furnace and his voice thundered. His voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. He held seven stars in his right hand and a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth, and his face was like the sun in all its brilliance. And notice in verse 17, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as I were dead, and he laid his hand on me. Well, look what happened with Daniel. When Daniel saw him, he says, I fainted in verse 9, and I lay there with my face to the ground, and then a hand touched me and lifted me up, still trembling. And to my hands and my knees, verse 11, and the man said to me, Daniel, you are very precious to God. So listen carefully to what I have to say to you. Stand up, for I've been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up, still trembling. Verse 12. Then he said, don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before God, your request has been heard in heaven, and I have come in answer to your prayer. To me, it's such a blessing. The moment you start praying, God hears and answers your prayers. Your prayers, the answers to our prayers are not delayed. They're not delayed. Daniel's told as soon as he started praying, from the first day, his words were heard. And I'm encouraged because that would, that would 
that we would understand that God hears and answers our prayers. I, I think a lot of our lack of prayers is so we just think God doesn't hear. Or we have all these intellectual questions. Well, I don't understand why I should pray. If God's going to do whatever he wants to do anyway, why should I pray? Well, listen, we should pray because God tells us to pray. But it says in Luke 18, Jesus said, One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. Why do we pray? Because God hears our prayers and he answers our prayers. You know, I think a lot of times we think, well, you know, if I pray for such and such and I pray for that person and I pray for that situation, then, then God will answer it that way. But haven't you found that when you pray for someone that God begins to change you? Haven't you found that when you're praying for someone that God begins to work in your heart and, and you start to pray and God's ministering to you. The early church, listen brothers, listen sisters, the early church demonstrates that powerful prayer as persecution descends upon them. We're not living in persecution right now, but we're living in difficulty. We're not living under major persecution right now, but we're living under major constraint, major isolation. Has it changed your prayer life? Has it changed your desperation? We find, go ahead and turn over to Acts chapter 12 with me, would you? Because in Acts chapter 12, we find that Peter is thrown in jail. And rather than go and break him out, rather than go and protest that he's in jail, the early church, at least this segment of the early church, they don't go break him out. They don't dig a hole under the wall. They don't gather a big rally. You know what they do? They pray. You go, well, but wait a minute, Ed. Is it wrong to, to, to rally? No, it's not wrong. But what does it amount? Did it get Peter, you know, if, they, if the Bible would have said, oh yeah, they went down and protested that Peter was in jail. Well, did it get him out? No, you know what got Peter out? Well, I'm, I'm going ahead of the story, but yeah, you already know, the Bible students, what got Peter out of jail was prayer. In answer to their prayer, God breaks Peter out of jail. And I think they just believed that their only course was to, to pray to God. They couldn't cry out to the Roman government. The Roman government was the one persecuting them. They couldn't cry out. They couldn't have some kind of, you know, internet campaign. Uh, they couldn't start a, a campaign to collect signatures. No, they needed to pray. And notice, pick up with me in uh, Acts chapter 12, verse 13. I mean, this is such a, an amazing passage that we, we don't always think it, we don't always understand the significance. Um, but it says, uh, pick, actually pick up in verse 12 it says when he realized this he went to the home of Mary the mother of John Mark where there were many gathered for what does your Bible say they were gathered for prayer they came together to pray and he knocked at the door at the gate and a servant girl named Rhoda came to open it verse 14 when she recognized Peter's voice she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the door, she ran back inside and told everyone, Peter's standing at the door. And you know what they're going to say next, verse 15. Yes, God has answered our prayers. Look how fast. I can't believe it. Instead, what do they answer? Verse 15. You're out of your mind, they said. But when she insisted, they decided it must be his angel. And meanwhile, Peter continued knocking. Then finally opened the door. They saw him and they were amazed. And he motioned them to quiet down and told him how the Lord had led him out of prison. Tell James and the brothers what has happened. And then he went to another place. This tells me something about this prayer meeting. Not only was the early church praying, but they didn't have a lot of faith. They weren't praying like it was going to happen. 
Now, I, I don't know what it was like in the prayer meeting. I mean, I don't know. I'm not saying they didn't have any faith because they believed in God to pray. But when Peter showed up at the door, they didn't believe it. They didn't believe it. They didn't believe it. And then they did. And so it's okay if you come to God with a little bit of faith. It's okay if you come to God with no faith. When you pray, God hears. Keep in mind here, Daniel, back, come, come back to Daniel 10 now. Keep in mind that Daniel here has been praying for three weeks, for 21 days. And that's a long wait time to be seeking the Lord that way. I mean, some of you have prayed for a lot longer than 21 days. I think of in my life, I've got some prayers that, that have been going on for all the years that I've known. I've been praying for salvation for all the years I've known, known them. And all the years, for 29 years, I've been praying for the salvation of family members and friends. I think of in my own life, seven years, I've been praying the same prayer. As a matter of fact, every time we get to go to Israel and we visit the Western Wall, I take the same prayer to the same section of the wall, at least what I can remember of where I was. And, and I have somebody snap a picture. So every year for seven years, because when God answers that prayer, I'm going to lay out the pictures and go, look, every year I brought this. I brought you. When I get that, I say, every year I brought you to this wall. And is there anything special on the wall? Nothing special on the wall. It's symbolic. It's symbolic. It's a place to pray. And so I can't wait to lay out those pictures. I'm going to have, I think, only six of them because one year we didn't go to Israel. Uh, so we had to change the date. But I'm going to lay them all out. And there they are every year. Prayer, prayer. Every year going to, uh, to the area of in, in Israel when we take you. And you just got to know, we got to go. We're going in 2021. We want you to go with us. So start planning right now. Start praying right now. Start saving right now. And when we have our tour in 2021... And we go again, we'll take you into the Valley of Elah and you'll stand there like David looking up at your giant and you'll take a literal rock from the, uh, the riverbed there, the creek bed, and you will throw it at your Goliath. Every year I throw my rock and I take one home saying there's the picture, there's the rock because God answers prayer. But you know, after 21 days, after 21 weeks, after 21 years, after 31 years, it, it gets tiring and you begin to think that maybe God doesn't hear you. But the, this, this angel finally shows up. This guy, this, this person, you know, again, whether it's an angel of the Lord, capital A. I know there's debate on this. There's even some controversy in this passage. But this revelation, the answer to God, Daniel's prayer was immediate as far as God's concerned. Daniel's perspective, you know, and that's the thing. So I want you to understand this. Daniel's been praying for three whole weeks, starting in verse two. And he hasn't gotten his answer in 21 days, okay? 21 days of praying. So what is that interpreted from us? When we pray for 21 days and we don't get the answer, we don't get a answer, or the answer, like it doesn't happen the way we want it, what's our conclusion? Go ahead and say it out loud. We think that God's answer is what? No. We don't think of wait as much as we think of no. And yet, from Daniel's perspective, all he heard was no. And yet, what God's answer was, was wait. That's God's answer. It was sent, and it arrived. I don't want you to give up on prayer, church. I don't want you to give up prayer. I'd... Listen, I know we all can have better prayer lives, including me. It is it has not been an area of great, great strength. Two areas that have been very troubling for me in my personal walk. Faith and prayer. It's like, man, I'm just not the man of faith. 
God shows up in a powerful way and, and he shows me, it's almost like, Ed, why didn't you have faith? And I'm like, I don't know. God, you've been so faithful to me. You've been so good. And then he'll show up and deliver and like, Ed, what's, what about your prayer life? And I'm like, I know, Lord. Why are you sleeping? You should have been praying. I know, I know, Lord. But I, I can't say I've grown. I can't say I've seen more prayer. I can't say that the Lord has grown me in those areas, but I know I have so much more to grow. And I'm sure you do too. And it's okay just to admit it before the Lord. God, I just want a deeper prayer life. God, I just want to walk in faith. I want to trust you. I don't want to take things into my own hands. Listen, prayer is never a last resort. You know, you get to a place where you go, okay, Ed, all we can do now is pray. No, no, there's no, prayer isn't to be that, what we turn to when there's no more hope. You know, it's not something, well, we've done everything we can. We might as well pray. No, Daniel shows us, listen, Daniel shows us as prayer is where it starts. Prayer is where it starts. It's where to start. It's where to continue. It's where to finish. And it's not just folding your hands, closing your eyes, bowing your head. Like prayer is like breathing. It's the atmosphere of our lives. We're breathing in prayer. We're breathing out prayer. We're just talking to the Lord. Just talking to the Lord about what's on our heart, what's on our mind. We put worship music on and we're praying. Like, like this new song Pastor Ian just introduced to me. Uh, it's, uh, I, I, I'm going to look it up. I don't want to give it the wrong. Because I want you guys to look it up. All right. So if you get your music, I want you to check this song out. Okay. Uh, it's, called, it's called Open Space. And it's by House Fires. We sing a lot of songs from House Fires. It's called Open Space. And so I was singing it. I was playing it on the way in. Uh, on the way into the church building tonight. And, and it just talks about like, God, my heart is an open. I'm open to you. And I'm still learning it. So I don't know all the words. But as I'm, as I'm listening to the gal sing it, as I'm listening to the atmosphere, as I'm receiving it, I'm also praying it out in my life. I'm like, Lord, I want, to be an, I want my heart to be open. She talks about forgiveness. You know, the lyrics talk about forgiveness. I want to be forgiving. I, it, she, they, they, I say she because she's singing it. But whoever wrote it, like wrote lyrics in that, that included 1 Corinthians chapter 13, love. And so prayer is not just like, okay, kind, this is the 10 minutes we're going to pray. No, that's focused prayer for us. We've been doing 30 days of focused prayer throughout April. I Hopefully every day you've taken some time to fast, seek the Lord, pray over the topic. But prayer is not a last resort. You can pray through songs. You can pray through situations. And listen, mark this down. God's delays are not God's denials. God's delays are not God's deniers. Just because an answer doesn't come immediately, don't lose heart. Men ought always to pray and not lose heart. Or in the New Living, Jesus said that men should always pray and never give up. That's just the word. Never give up. Please don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Listen to those words. Don't give up. You're listening to this on the radio, podcast. You're watching me. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't quit. It's always too soon to quit. Don't quit. Steady on. The answer's on its way. And God is faithful because it's not just the answer you're looking for. God is the answer. He's drawn near to him. He draws near to you. But check this out. In verse 13, but for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. And then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me, and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. 
And now I'm here to explain what will happen to your people in the future for this vision concerns a time yet to come. And by the way, this is that section of scripture that says, well, wait a minute. If this was a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ, then how can, there be resi- how can he be resistant? You know, how can he face resistance from these um, demonic realm, these dem- demons, you know, these, these angels in the demonic realm of the devil of Persia? And, and here's the thing. Jesus is able to allow, even God allowed the devil to be in his presence in heaven. So God is sovereign. He can allow the devil to think he's making progress. Remember Jesus went into the, he willingly went into the wilderness and he let the devil take him on. I mean, he could have wiped the devil out in a heartbeat. So I I know that, uh, you know, expositionally you can make an argument either way, but don't, don't get caught up in it. I want us to draw near uh, and understand that this prince doesn't seem to be human, but angelic. Uh, an angelic demonic force. Because men don't successfully detain angels or pause them. The prince of Persia appears to be a title for a demon that was dispatched by the devil himself to hinder the work and hinder the answer of God. And then you jump down to verse 20. It says, he replied, do you know why I've come? Soon I must return and fight against the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. And after that, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Greece will come. You know, the demonic realm. And I believe we're just given an insight and a glimpse of what goes on in the unseen world, in the invisible world around us. Remember, there's a physical world and there's a spiritual world. There's light and there's darkness. And it makes me wonder if the prince of Persia, this demon from the area of Persia or this demon from Greece was so bad, then what about other cities and what about other locations? What kind of demonic forces are in Aurora, are in Denver, are over Colorado? Like what demonic forces are happening behind the scenes that are sent to discourage, that are sent to take us down? There are demonic influences and there are good angelic influences. Remember, a third of the angels, the Bible teaches us, followed Satan in his rebellion. Jot it down in Ephesians chapter 6. It seems to be a, um, a theme in our Bible studies. Ephesians 6 verse 12, as they kind of back up weekends, Wednesdays. Uh, it says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. You memorize this as we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Well, here the New Living Translation says, evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So demons don't like you. That's the bad news. And it's too bad that so many Christians only focus on the bad news. And all these ministries, this deliverance ministries and, and talking to the demon ministries. And, and it's all just weird, unbiblical stuff that's made up. For every bad angel, for every demon, there's two good angels. But even if there were no angels at all, and for every wicked, nasty demon that exists, God reigns supreme. God reigns supreme. And everything that enters into our life, all the spiritual warfare. And let me just say, we have a threefold enemy, remember? We wrestle against the, the world, the flesh, the world, and the devil. And 
we often think that it's the world that causes us more problems and it's the devil that causes us most problems. But haven't you found that you have a tendency to be your own worst enemy? That it's your flesh and your old sinful habit patterns that often get the best of you? You know, there used to be a comedian many years ago that would have a little comedy bit that said, oh, the devil made me do it. The devil didn't make you do anything. The devil used the world system to tempt you and entice you and to inflame your flesh and you made you do it. If you blame it on the devil and you blame it on the world and you blame it on your ex-spouse and you blame it on that situation and you blame it on the government and you just walk around as a victim all the time, then you are not giving credit to the power of God that has declared us not to be victims, but to be victorious. The Bible says that Jesus always leads us in victory. And so we need to acknowledge that it's our flesh. It's our sinfulness that needs to be repented of, that we would have a godly sorrow. It's true there's demonic realm, no doubt. It's true that we wrestle in the demonic, in the spiritual realm. And, and it's true that Satan's demonic army is organized and determined, and even is successful at times. But the devil's no match for God. Next time you face the demonic realm, you need to follow the word that Jesus says, hey, it is written. You answer the devil with the word of God. You answer the devil's lies. As we were praying, even just thinking, uh, praying through the hopeless and the hurting and the isolated, you know, when your feelings are telling you lies, you need to answer them. Learning to take every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And the way that we do that is we answer those lies with the truth of God's word. Yeah, there's a demonic realm and there's sometimes even successfully. But we don't yell at the devil. We don't talk at the devil. We don't kick the devil, throw the devil. We just, we, we just trust in the faithfulness and the power of God. We know that Satan's the ruler of this world, the ruler of the system of this world. In John chapter 12, verse 31, it says, the time for judging this world has come when Satan, the ruler of this world, will be cast out. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 says, Satan, who is the God, little g, the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They're unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 2 says, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. But the devil is not omnipresent. The devil is not omnipotent. He can't be everywhere at the same. He doesn't have power over God. He is not God's equal. Sometimes the spiritual warfare is set as, well, you know, God is God and the devil is the devil and they're equals. No, no way. The devil is a created fallen being that will spend eternity in the lake of fire at the end of the great tribulation period. He'll be released a little bit and then completely sent forever and eternity. And this is the key to the devil. You ready? You don't scream at him. You don't yell at him. You don't kick him. You don't throw rocks at him. You don't uh, dance around and do... This is what the Bible says. Listen, this might be new revelation because you might have learned the wrong way. And, and this is what the Bible says. Ready? In James chapter 4, verse 7. 
Humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Resist the devil. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. How do we resist him? Listen, Psalm 119, verse 9. How can a man, young man stay pure? You might have memorized it in New King James. That's how I memorize it. How can a young man cleanse his way? By obeying your word. Or in the Old King James, by taking heed to the word of God. 2 Timothy 2.22. Run from anything that stimulates youthful lusts and instead pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love and peace. Enjoy the companionship of all those who call upon the name of the Lord with pure hearts. And I love how the chapter ends. Notice in verse 15. While he was speaking to me, I looked down at the ground, unable to say a word. Then the one who looked like a man touched my lips, and I opened my mouth and I began to speak. I said to the one standing, I'm filled with anguish because of the vision that I've seen, my Lord. I'm very weak. How can someone like me, your servant, talk to you, my Lord? My strength is gone, and I can hardly breathe. Then the one who looked like a man touched me again, and I felt strength returning. I love that. I just pray that into your life. That the Lord would touch you and you would feel strength returning. That you would feel like that supernatural presence of the Spirit of God. Don't be afraid, he says, verse 19, for you are precious to God. Peace, be encouraged, be strong. And as he spoke these words to me, I suddenly felt stronger and I said to him, please speak to me, my Lord, for you have strengthened me. And he replied, do you know why I've come? Soon I must return to fight against the spirit, the prince of the kingdom of Persia. And after the spirit, the prince of the kingdom of Greece will come. Meanwhile, I'll tell you that it is written in the book of truth. No one helps me against these spirit princes except Michael, your spirit prince. I have been standing beside Michael to support and strengthen him since the first year of the reign of Darius the Mede. And I just love how this is encouragement in this dialogue. He's lifted up. He's built up. He, it's, he's reminded that he's precious to God, that he's beloved of God. It's, don't fear. Be strong. Peace to you. And why are these words encouraging? Because the battle never ends. And you go, Ed, well, that's really encouraging. But it is. Like, I want you to know that the battle never ends. That way you won't be surprised when a new warfare comes in, where a new attack comes in, where a new temptation comes in. My pastor Jeff would always teach us, and still to this day, he would say, to be forewarned is to be forearmed. And we are in a battle. We are in a spiritual battle, church. It's the battle for our strength. It's the battle for our mind. It's the battle for what we'll believe. Because the devil knows that what you believe will dictate how you behave. So if you believe a lie, then you will live a life full of lies. But if you believe the truth and you will put up a good fight, the angel goes back to fight again. And the angel goes back to fight again. 
And we as brothers and sisters in the Lord fight together too. So can I just ask you in this time of, of you know, safe at home, stay at home, safer at home, however long it lasts, listen, would you intercede for your brothers? Will you pray for your sisters? Will, will you take all that time that, that has been used in other ways and start to fight for your brothers and sisters? Start to stand in the gap. Because the doors might be closed. We can't even make a hospital visit right now. We can't go visit you in the hospital. And there's resistance to, I mean, we could go and if needed, if you're sick at home, we could come, but then they want us to keep six feet. And, and I've found this lately, I've just been praying by laying on in hands. Like here, I've just been praying and, and nobody's gotten mad at me yet, but like I'm just laying on in hands. I'm, I, I don't want to be unwise. I, I want to be careful for the other person, but just sometimes you just got to lay hands. And so maybe spiritually, you got to pray for that prodigal. And just lay hands. You got to pray for that neighbor. You got to pray for the person that you met last time. You got to pray for the person. Like I got an email recently of a brother that walked into our church right before the crisis. And he had come up. I remember him. Uh, He came up after a service and he was really, really down. Really discouraged. And and just, just going through it. And he wanted prayer. And I gave him a little bit of advice. And then he wrote back and said, you know, I walked in that night with suicidal thoughts. And I followed your advice and I don't have those. I'm, I'm alive here six weeks later. We got a battle for brothers and sisters like that because it's hard. It's hard without the restrictions. How much more with them? We're a family church. We're not a perfect family. You know, sometimes you'll we'll describe our church as a family and we're like, well, you know, that's not the, that's not a, that, that, that family is, is broken. It is. It is. We're all broken people. And we all got that cousin and that aunt and, and we're, you know, we always think of that cousin and that aunt, but you know, somebody sees you <laughs> as that cousin, as that aunt, you know, and we're just a family. But families, we work through things. Families, we acknowledge, you know, that, hey, I love you, you love me, and we love unconditionally. Some of the greatest unconditional, I mean, uh, some of the best unconditional love I've ever experienced has been in my own family. And I'm grateful for them. I'm grateful for my wife. I'm grateful for my three kids, even though one of them's in the presence of the Lord right now without sickness or sorrow. Uh, he loved me unconditionally, and I received that. And I've experienced unconditional love from many people in this fellowship, from many of you, and I'm thankful. I mean, I can think of people where I've made mistakes and where I've said something or done something, and then they, they've come to me, and they've, we've talked it through, and, and we've asked for forgiveness, and I thank you for that. I thank you for walking in the spirit. And many of you have failed me. And we, that's the way it is. But together we're the body of Christ. And we need to stand for each other. We need to watch each other's backs. We don't want to bite and devour one another. Hey, hold your place. Go over to Galatians chapter 6. This is where we're going to wind down today. Galatians chapter 6. Because there's this warning in Galatians that we, we need to take to heart. You know, when sin creeps in, when it breaks a person, when it shatters, like, I don't know why we think when we come to church, like, there's not going to be sin. This church is filled with sinners. And like Paul, there are times when I feel like I'm chief. I'm the chiefest of sinners. And you're like, wait a minute, Ed, you're the pastor. Yeah, but man, my life, I need more of the Spirit. And so when we find that, that sin destroys Rather than being hypercritical and all judgmental, 
Notice in verse 1 of chapter 6 of Galatians, I pray that we would have a heart to restore, that we would have a heart to forgive. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. And if you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You are not that important. You know, literally that, that sense of bringing a person back as we gently and humbly help. In the New King James, that word is restore. And the Greek word literally means to set a broken bone. That, that you might be restored. Daniel was desperate in this time in his life. And in his desperation, he was seeking the Lord. Wanting to stand in the gap for his people, for his nation. Wanting to see God's grace and God's mercy. And I, I turn from Galatians. Don't go back there with me. Because I, this is my final exhortation for us. You know, what's a desperate person to do? We're to seek God. And we're to be to desperate with one another. And we're to ask God to answer our prayers. To, 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 that we're to seek him. And how careful we need to be not to bite and devour one another. Now this is one of those times where uh, I'm going back to the scriptures, but because I'm reading from a, another uh, translation, I'm trying to find the passage that I'm looking for. So uh, it talks about not harvesting, but it talked about not biting and devouring one another. And you're just going to have to look it up. Let me look it up in my phone real quick. Stick with me. You guys are probably yelling into your TV right now that you found it, but I don't know why I can't find it. But let me look it up. This is the neat thing about having uh, the Bible on your phone that you can find things right away. And of course, it's not in the New, new Living. It's Galatians 5. That's why I can't find it. It's not in 6. It's in 5. So notice verse 15 of Galatians 5. It says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. No, go back to verse 14. <laughs> no, go back to verse 13. <laughs> For you have been called to live in freedom my brothers and sisters. This is Galatians 5, 13. And it's so important. We needed to find it. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. Hey, if you're always church... Let us be known like Jesus said by our love for one another. If Pastor Michael will come up for our final song, I, wanna, I want that to be the word. Daniel's desperate. Daniel's in a place of seeking God. He's waiting 21 days for the answer. There's a battle in the spiritual realm of the answer coming. He doesn't know when the answer is going to come. Finally, he gets the answer. And part of the answer is not just the revelation that's going to come, but part of the answer is encouragement. Part of the answer is, Daniel, you're beloved. You're precious. And that's the word of the Lord to you. Maybe you've had a brother bite or devour you. Somebody talking about you behind your back, gossiping, lying, finding yourself in a place of just like, what is wrong with the church? What is wrong with the church? Well, well there's a lot wrong with the church. 
But let us be one last person. Let us be one last person biting, devouring, pointing the finger of judgment. But let us go alongside a brother like it says in chapter 6 and let's restore such a one. Let's build them up. Let's humbly and gently help the body. Let's help them get up. Let's speak the truth in love. The worst thing you could do to another brother is lie to him and lie to her and not say the truth and hide things in the shadows and make up all these lies and justifications. That doesn't help the body of Christ. Because I know some of you are listening and you've been hurt by a church and you've been hurt by another believer, maybe even this church or a believer here. And it's pushed you away from God. But Jesus, he's calling you to himself. You need to come back. You need to come back to your relationship with Jesus. And for some, you need to come for the very first time. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And I want to invite you to follow Jesus today. I want you to come to a saving knowledge. Some of you may be just affirming in this time that God has been speaking to you about fasting, about giving, about praying. Uh, Maybe you felt like you've been alone or isolated because you've been praying and you haven't got the answer that you've wanted. And God is just reminding you today how much he loves you, how precious you are to him. Be strengthened that God from the inside out wants you to know how much he loves you. And and there's some of you for the very first time you need to repent of your sins. So I want to help you do that. I want to help you confess with your mouth today. And I want to help you pray to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your savior and repent of your sins. You ready? Say this after me. God, I admit that I've sinned against you and I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. I want to follow you with all of my life from this day forward. I believe you sent Jesus Christ to die for my sins and I know that he rose again from the dead. And help me, God, to turn away from my sinful past and to dedicate my life to following you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.